everyone, and welcome to Paul and Moses Play, a celebration of games and play, and a deep dive into video games and what make them so special to us. I'm your host, Paul Berberich, and with me, as always, is Dr. Moses Wolfenstein. Hello, Moses. Hello, Paul. We are back. We are back. How's things? Things have been pretty wild, yeah. uh, but... You know, a lot of good going on. A lot of good. A lot of, uh, a lot going on. You know, it's impinged on my gaming time in uh, no small way. But um, one piece of that is that I've been playing with a band. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing with a band called Mechanum. Uh, M-E-C-C-A-N-U-M. Okay. Um, I would characterize it as, uh, you know, rock and roll. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> broadly speaking, they've been playing together for a while, and we actually played a streaming gig on Saturday. Okay, um, at uh, on a new, I think this is kind of a new stream, uh, called uh, Crack House K R A K. So my Crack House on um on the Instas. <laughs> okay, but it's from the like Irish Crack. Like, what's the Crack? Oh, sure, Which sure, you've sure. You've probably okay. heard that phrase uh, yeah. before. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, so yeah, I've been practicing with them twice a week for the last uh you know several yeah which has definitely been a factor yeah uh it's been pretty intense but it's good uh it's a really good sound uh, i'm enjoying the band definitely get into some jam stuff uh they are you know i'd say they're the songs that they have written are more towards the hard rock side mm -hmm. um but then like we get to practice and we jam for anywhere from 40 minutes to like an hour and a half before we actually get into something one might normally call practice. Yeah. But that's also how they songwrite from, from what I understand. So, okay. uh, you know, I'm probably going to be working with this project going forward. I'm going to try and track down, like there should have been a recording of this live stream from the other day, which is not what you will find on the Insta. So okay. I'll try and track that down. Actually, let's see here. Because apparently mycrack.com <laughs> is um, where we can find this. And it is uh, hosted by, God, I don't even know Frank's last name, but um, Heidi and Frank uh, are the morning hosts on local LA uh, rock station, KLOS, a rather storied station, been around since my youth, used to be the like contemporary, like current rock, not contemporary. That sounds like adult contemporary jazz mm -hmm. or something, um, but it used to be like when I was a kid in like the 80s and early 90s um, before... Uh, before it got too deep down into um they were like a mix of classic rock and current rock and like klsx was like the classic rock station um klsx has long since stopped existing unfortunately but klos is going strong and uh and playing good stuff so you know i will uh, try and track down a link for you of some manner to uh to provide uh in the in the episode description in case people are curious but right now all i'm seeing is the listen live when i go to mycrack.com but i think we're going to be back on this again at a later date we're out in a place in north hollywood so close to burbank if you don't have a clear sense of the greater la area but you've heard of burbank where you know porn happens um then, uh... i've also heard of burbank from uh i don't know how familiar you are with with john daly the comedian um but him and Zach Galifianakis were on Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, one of my of course. my favorites. And he made a fake Red Hot Chili Peppers song that actually got picked up and, no. and, and disseminated as a real song. And it's called uh, uh, Abracadabra California or or something like something like that. But I remember um, 
the way it starts is a uh, bing a bong a bang a bang burr bank glick 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 glendale <laughs> oh my god yeah glendale's actually right out there too yeah. so that makes sense and i honestly wouldn't be surprised if that was where if one of them's out in like some somewhere in that part of the uh the valley um, but just hitting that that gl sound glick 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 it's just i love it Yes, uh, I'm over 21 for fuck's sake. So I'm trying to track down Frank's last name because dude is an entrepreneur and his website, frankarmy.com, beer, weed, and whiskey. Okay. Um, you know, so uh things things that we like, but he's got this line of um drinkables called bodega. Hmm. Um 25 milligrams in a can. It's um and uh, I had a sip of it because I was gonna drive, so I wasn't about to try and like get on the road after drinking a you know 25 milligram wait my lord has landed in socal okay what is happening i don't know but this guy's obviously connected to all of the things yeah so um anyway one last check i just feel so stupid because this is like a known this person is a known quantity and here i am and i'm like oh yeah i met frank i don't even know frank's last name we'll have to bring oh, well. back corrections next week yeah we will have to bring back corrections that it might also involve me trying to track down um you know the uh actual that I, I i they better have recorded it it was a lot of fun <laughs> so anyway that has been keeping me extra busy extra lively and of course angelica has uh, started this new job last week i'm not going to go into details on that um that is her her day job, but I will say that it involves uh, dealing with LA Public Works, not her employer, hmm. uh, but a client that her employer is working with. And man, she was like, she came home one day and she was like, it's like the wire out there. And I was like, oh man, okay. I know exactly what she meant by that immediately. Like the le level of local politics, you've got people calling people, trying to make things happen. I She didn't mean it like in the sense of like drugs. Yeah, that would be the other obvious interpretation. It'd be kind of like if somebody said, like, you know, it's like Breaking Bad out, out there, but not in the sense of drug. No, that that just doesn't work because that's about like what Albuquerque or cancer. I'm not sure. You got or me. just or just family dysfunction. <laughs> I don't know. You can't take the meth out of Breaking Bad, but you you can actually take the drugs and minimize them in terms of the context of the wire. Still have something to say. Well, you can't fight City Hall. I've I've heard. I've heard that, that much. That much is true. So anyway, that's enough of my real life. I mean, fuck. Yeah, I mean, school's been crazy too with work. But, you know, other than that, I mean, I got some things to say about games, but you go first. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a little bit uh, since we've recorded last. Um, my schedule the changed. The better part of two weeks, right? Yeah. And, you know, for those who don't know, it's particularly tricky for us because of the time zone difference. Yeah. Me having to be up early for work you being two hours later, you know, uh, it, yep. it can be, uh, it can be a challenge. So, you it know, it can be a challenge. Be... And oftentimes I wind up working until 8 PM your time. That's not right. helpful. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we're definitely trying to, uh, uh, figure that out and keep the pods coming for our, our loyal listeners. Uh, but all that being said, um, you know, armored core came out. I, I, I beat the, the filter, uh, Balteus pre nerf. He has since been nerfed. Oh, he's been nerfed since then. Yeah. So we got into that so last episode. Now I'm, uh, you know, I've got that badge of honor forever. Like in, well, Dark Souls 3, there are these angels in the DLC. And they have a, a unique attack, which is absolutely devastating. And pre-nerf, 
it was a hellish gauntlet uh, in spite of their angelic nature. So um, they're worse than the ones on the roof, I take it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Those are, yeah. Because um, those are pretty bad. Those are, those are, those are bad. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I have not touched Armored Core. I have not touched anything <laughs> because Except of Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3, um, yeah. You know, believe the hype. It is a masterpiece. I have a billion things to say. Uh, uh, for you know, for some games, Armored Core spoilers or or whatever. This game, a very story-driven game. Um, granted, I'm sure your story will be vastly different from mine. Uh, yeah. Nonetheless, the beats are are going to be the beats, and uh, so I'll, there are I'll, core beats. Yeah. So I'll I mean, I'm lightly. certainly I'm I'm completely spoiler uh, free with anything in relation to mechanics and implementation, yeah. even broadly in relation to setting, because this is Forgotten Realms, right? right? This is like it's a core setting. I'm pretty familiar with with with, with a goodly amount of it anyway. Um, yeah. So like you can talk about all of that, but in terms of major plot beats, yeah, uh, definitely I'll appreciate the treading lightly. And boy, oh boy, I, the story. So, I mean, coming from a game such as Diablo 4, or specifically <laughs> Diablo 4, a game that does not respect the player's time such, or intelligence. Such as Diablo 4, when actually just yeah, Diablo 4. Yeah. Does not respect player's time or intelligence. Baldur's Gate respects both in spades. Mm, um, right on. It is such a rich, beautiful narrative that you find yourself in. You know, it was a few weeks before I really got and it really only has been a few weeks that's been out, but that I've gotten comfortable kind of with the the combat and moving around. I do feel like uh, I'm a little disadvantaged being on console. I think I'd feel a little more empowered with a mouse, the precision of a, of a mouse and keyboard in hand, um, because this is a very dense game. It is maybe the most dense game I've I've ever played. And it is so hard to feel like you're not missing things as as you go. And... In fact, you are missing things, but that's okay because that's how your story is 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 happening. Um, the combat is fantastic. It's uh, fifth edition D and D, which I've had very limited experience with. So it's definitely been putting me through my paces. Combat and is it's fully hard. it's fully turn based, right? It is turn based. Like D and D, it's proper yep. turn based combat. Okay, and it is it is hard as hell. Um, you got to be smart. You got to use positioning, um, use every tool at your disposal. And actually last night, um, I got into a real serious bind. And this is one story I'll, I'll impart just a little bit of. Uh, you know, I, I did this big plot thing and I came back out of the thing and it was like, okay, well now we're going to kill you. And I hadn't had a long rest in a while. Um, and, and upon further uh, investigation, this is like a really... It's a it's a highly tuned combat encounter. Like it is advanced, mm -hmm. and I'm like I, I thought I was soft locked. Like I'm like I have no way out of this. I can't run, I can't talk my way out of it. Uh, and then I'm looking through. I've got one potion of invisibility. I'm like, mm -hmm. ooh, okay. So I go, I do the dialogue, I get into combat, chug the potion with my main character because I created a character. You can also inhabit a pre-existing character within the story, uh, which mm -hmm. I, I wonder how that shakes out because they all have their own individual dialogue and like voiced lines and stuff. But anyway, chugged a potion of invisibility, left my party for dead, snuck away to where I could finally fast travel, fast traveled back to camp and then paid the 600 gold to resurrect three quarters Everybody. of my party. And then oh, they were, and yeah, then yeah, it was yeah. fine. And then, and I felt 
you know, smart. Like it yeah. maybe isn't the most smart move to get myself into that situation. Um, and it's not like rocket science being like, oh, potion of invisibility and sneak away. But the fact that it all worked and I was able to get out of this place, I'm like never going back to that That's place. That's funny. That, is uh, that funny. place is, is dead to me now. And the, oh man, the ramifications for one of my companions, like their whole world is now turned upside down. Um, and really the companions are, are where it's at. Uh, yeah. They are so engaging and so well-written and well-voice acted. It is some of the best yeah. voice acting I've, I've encountered in a while. And, you know, when you're watching a good movie and you're just in it and you're in that sort yeah. of flow state where it's like pure pleasure and you're just taking it in, like talking to the companions and doing their quests, uh, uh, well, ma mainly talking to them and, and, and figuring out your relationship with them feels like you're watching a great, movie except you are in control of of these choices um let's see if i have any other notes uh i mean that's kind of the 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 broad strokes you know so much of it comes down to the individual beats the story beats um you know which we which we can't really get into just yet um but i mean like i said believe the hype it is it's all i think about at work and then i wow. come home and you know that's so wild. Like, it's like there are a series of great games this year that you have already stepped off of one onto the next. Yeah. Like, it, like uh, Tears of the Kingdom, it's, it's way yeah, back know, right? there for you. And yeah. people have acclaimed it as an absolutely outstanding game. And you said while you were playing it, that it was outstanding, you know? Yeah, um, but I got I got Breath of the Wilded on it, like almost the exact same trajectory. I made significant progress. I was feeling it. And then the overwhelming nature of it and like but also diablo dropped diablo we, dropped like that was actually more than anything right. i don't remember you right. saying that you were really tired of tears but no, diablo, wasn't. he jumped into it and it was like hey we're doing diablo now that's what's happening you know because like with zelda you're gonna sit down you're gonna spend 10 minutes deciding what to do five yeah. minutes deciding how to do it diablo yeah. you are holding down the x button and killing a thousand monsters in two yeah. minutes uh, not to mention the social component with you, which has been great. Yep. Um, and I'm sure we'll play some more Diablo. I mean, yeah. between now and the end of the year and even, you know, next year, yeah. like the game's not going to be going anywhere in that in that respect. But, but that one, I feel like you ran to it's more like ran to its logical conclusion, um, yeah. you know, and Armored Core gave you a great jumping off point. But again, again, with Armored Core, I'm like, I don't think you're done with Armored Core. No. Baldur's Gate just superseded it. Certainly not. I just I just have to get back to to Faroon, like just being in that space, it feels like you are on an adventure with almost real people in a way. The, the way that your companions are so fleshed out and the one that I'm romancing, the the Githyanki uh, named Lazel, um, is super compelling because like she's somewhat evil, uh, maybe. <laughs> she's definitely bloodthirsty at least. And my character, a human bard, is not but the way i'm role-playing it and the way i'm actually kind of feeling is in spite of this distasteful side of her like she is such a badass and like i'm half afraid of her half have a crush on her you know and um you know okay so can i i gotta i gotta say one 
one semi-spoilery thing with, yeah, okay. with this romance in particular. Yeah, so I don't I'm, know if you're well, familiar with... I'm less concerned about that kind of spoiler yeah. than I am about major plot moves or huge events that you like, like what you were referencing. I'll f- maybe find out about it, maybe not, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would hate to have the specifics of that spoiled for me. Sure. So, you know, romances, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it was getting a little, little hot and heavy with us and... She wanted to, uh, you know, she desired me in a carnal way, as she was saying. And then I and then I had the dialogue choice. And of course, I had to pick it. It was like, oh, I've always wanted a hot Githyanki girlfriend, which is like hot goth girlfriend. Right. You know, right. Like, right. You know I mean? Yes. And then she's like, I'm not going to be your girlfriend, but I will be your lay. And like, you know, <laughs> from there. So, uh, so that's just kind nice. of how it's been. We've we've boned down a, a couple of times. Uh, the second time before we were going to have sex, I'm like, can we cuddle a little afterwards <laughs> this time? Because the last time she was like up right away and I was like, come back to bed. And she's like, the time for pleasure is over. Like the day is beginning. And and so you get less of a cutscene the second time. So I don't know if she actually stayed and, and cuddled or not. Um, but uh, yeah, she she's great. Um, all the companions are great. Everything everything is great it's the only complaints are just like my own you know lack of knowledge with with 5e or the clunky controls kind of not really getting in the way but but discouraging me from maybe fully using every single tool at my disposal like you can pick up environments uh, objects in the environment and move them around and i don't do that much um sure but uh Wow, it's you know I'm I'm close to thirty hours and I'm still in Act One of three, oh, and yeah. I hear that Act Three is way longer than the other two. Um, so it's a lot know, of game. If I wasn't podcasting right now, I would be playing Baldur's Gate three, and so should everybody. Nice, yeah, most excellent. Yeah, I was just trying to find an article in Rock Paper Shotgun, but I realized I need to go back and read the whole thing first before because uh, it's actually um, an interview. Uh, with Matt Barton. Wait, no. Yes, no. With Mark Dara, uh, who uh, worked on Dragon's Age, uh, Baldur's Gate, and Mass Effect, and um, maybe a couple of other people. But they're talking about why it is that when an RPG hits right, it takes the gaming world by storm, as this one absolutely has. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the in the lead up, um, you know, Nick Rubin for RPS references you know elden ring uh witcher 3 wild hunt and as he writes the minesweeper-esque ubiquity of skyrim and i will confess (laughs) i have a regret that i didn't play skyrim i know i'm like incredibly unlikely to go back and try it now yeah but like god what an influential game that like is something you put a ton of time into and people are still fucking playing it and modding it but like my motivation to pick that title up in particular is quite low uh but it's it's too bad uh, I'm not going to let that happen with Baldur's Gate three, however. So yeah, do you? Well, do you have a a, a timeline in mind for yourself? Uh, sometime or... in the next month and a half to yeah. to pick it up. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it'll probably be sometime next month. Yeah. Most likely, more than likely, it'll probably be sometime next month that I'll like square the time and uh, and such. Yeah. And go like, okay, let's jump into this one now. The time has come. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, in the meantime, um. I did make, you know, I texted you probably about a week ago now, and I was like, are you awake? And the reason why you might be able to guess is uh, 
well, why do you think I might have been? It wasn't that late, but I knew it was late enough that you mm. there was a, uh, late enough my time. There's a dim chance of you being up. It was like nine o'clock or something Pacific. I mean, my first thoughts are uh, are are remnant or might and magic, but I, I feel like I would have heard about those. No, I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to co-op uh, or mm. uh, or 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 get anything like that. I was, in fact, looking for a spoiler-free hint mm. because. So fucking help me. Mm. I just couldn't figure out what the fuck I was missing on Giant's Deep. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I would guess several things, but uh definitely, but in particular, I was like, okay, I uh so so Outer Wilds, uh let's just rewind a tiny pace here. I made some pretty significant progress and I got to this point where I was like, all right, I want to exhaust Giant's Deep. I feel like it's in reach. I found the other part of the uh, um, the thing, the thing. I went in from the outside on the launch uh, probe. Yeah. The probe launch module, yeah. um, which allowed me to. And it was one of those moments in this game where you're like, OK, fuck, taking the time to read this scan, 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 because the universe is about to explode around me. And I don't want to have to take all the time to get back into this location. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I did get the uh, holographic module in place to be able to see where the other part, which had fallen into the ocean, had gone. And it was like, oh, it's, there's like electric uh, electricity flashing around what I could see from that. So I was like, well, I know exactly where that is. It's in the center of the freaking planet. Um, but for the life of me, I was like, mm -hmm. It's got to have something to do with these jellyfish, but I just can't get close to these jellyfish. And I'd spent like 25 minutes trying to get close to these jellyfish. That's why I texted you. And uh, after I got no response, I managed to ferret out a Reddit thread that helped me get there. Okay. Um, I haven't gotten there yet, though, because what it said was like, oh, like, it's about the jellyfish. And it was like, somebody's like, okay, dude, obviously isn't ready for that because he hasn't figured out how to deal with the tide yet. And then I was like, oh, fuck me. There totally is a note that I found about this that mm. says you got to go to the southern, uh, not the southern, yes, the southern observatory, over on Brittle Hollow, because okay. um, I'd remembered reading it too. Once I saw that, I was like, "That's right." Somebody left a note about how they'd solve the gravitational thing, and go and see the model of Giant's Deep in the southern observatory on Brittle Hollow. <clears throat> so that is, in fact, my current objective. Okay, um, I have tried for it several times, and uh, haven't quite gotten there yet because. It's tricky. In theory, there are two different ways to get there, right? In theory, you can either get there from the, um, uh, what's it called? The Tower of Quantum Knowledge? Yes. Um, or from the, the main entrance from the, uh, you know, where the, from the probe entrance, which is kind of the main entrance. Have you managed to ascend to the Tower of Quantum Knowledge yet? No, I haven't actually. Okay. Oh um, boy, did that, did that puzzle give me some grief? I've put that on hold because I want to figure yeah. out this freaking tide thing first. And like I said, I feel like if I can do that, I can put Giants Deep to rest as a location. It seems like it's the last bit of the puzzle there mm -hmm. is getting into that last part of the probe launcher. Because otherwise, I've, I mean, there is that jellyfish suspended in like amber, mm -hmm. but there's literally nothing I can do there uh, unless there's some way I can solve the uh, uh, ghost particle issue because mm -hmm. that shit just kills you more or less instantly. So maybe there's something that I'm supposed to do there, but not until after I figure out some solution for that, possibly. But I, I almost feel like that might be a red herring object on the planet. It's meant to kind of point you towards something else, towards an understanding of something else. 
is the fourth island. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. It's really neat. It's almost like a like an art installation with that. Yeah. Frozen totally. jellyfish. I I feel like it's partially meant to get you to low go down and find out that there are jellyfish down below, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But I will find out. I'm honestly like I know I'm I'm starting to close in on some crucial pieces of this game. And the only other thing I wanted to mention about it is that like in the last week and a half or whatever, when I've when I've taken the time for it, that um or more like had what I felt like is a good time to set aside for it, something has finally clicked with controlling the uh the spacecraft. Okay. And like I don't need the autopilot for getting to some planets. Um, I can like trajectory myself there. I'll still use it most of the time. But the other thing is when it finally clicks, when you are flying over a planet mm -hmm. and like just it's a very like it goes from being like, God, how the fuck do I pilot this piece of shit to like you're cruising and like yeah. letting yourself get real low to the ground and then dodging around an, an obstacle and like even dealing with the tornadoes uh, and whatever water funnels on Giant's Deep um, is like. It just becomes uh, this this very enjoyable experience of piloting this craft. Nice. So I figured you'd appreciate and uh, and kind of click with that particular uh, like gameplay milestone. There's definitely a thing that's like it starts out wonky, but the more time you spend flying it, the just more natural it becomes. Yeah, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You're you're got your eye on the horizon. You're using gravity and your thrusters perfectly. And in that's tandem. a big part of it. It's starting yeah. to get the feel of each planet's gravity, and that's a yeah. big deal with this game too. Is like how Brittle Hollow is freaking empty, and mm -hmm. so like the gravity on it's actually really really light. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, is it Giant Steep? I was thinking of that's Giant extremely Steep heavy. Heavy. Yeah, yeah, Giant Steep is is very heavy. Mm -hmm. uh, or rather, you are very heavy on Giant Steep, which mm -hmm. makes uh, makes the jumps pain in the butt. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been really delightful. Uh, my other noteworthy accomplishment is that I've been kicking some ass when I've been jumping into Apex. I've managed to maintain a better than 0.6, um, you know, KDR this season. Mm -hmm. Once I kind of started off high, dipped a little bit, and then have like cranked it back up. And like doing the math on that, that basically means that. I'm um, getting two kills for every three deaths. Okay. Um, which, I mean, so help me. That's pretty fucking good. Uh, but I had this incredible night uh, uh, probably a week ago where I was kill leader in like four consecutive games. And in two of those, I like, I won. I had like, what? This was like a five kill, six knock, 935 damage game. The screenshots that I took. And then this other one was a four kill, two, uh, four knock. 715 damage game and those were were those the two that i oh no 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 that's right so that first one i mentioned um we actually placed fourth in an absolute shit show at the very end but um oh part of that was that that was functionally a two-player game because the the loba disconnected immediately and there had been another one where i made it to like the final we might have even won that game um where we only had two people who loaded in in the first place. And yeah, on that 900 something damage game, we made it to fourth. The only other player with me only had 390 damage. I was just like fucking beast. I was just so on it. And like, man, with all the hecticness that I've been dealing with, there's a reason why I'll like come home and just knock out half an hour, 45 minutes of apex. And that's going to be my gaming for that night because then it's fucking late. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's been good. It's been good for it to be that rewarding and to finally have a pace with that game where I feel like I know what I'm doing with it. Like really know what I'm doing with it. Yeah. And, you know, 
so yeah, that's uh, I, I I don't expect uh, I'll have much more to say about Apex until the season wraps, and I'll do a little post mortem on it. But um, other than that, uh, it's uh, it's good shit. It's got to be fun as hell. There, there's nothing quite like when you are on your shit in an online shooter, for sure. Like that, I'll I'll always remember proudly my. It might be the the pinnacle of my Call of Duty um, experience, where younger brother John and older brother Luke were both spectating, which was a rare thing, uh, you know, in on the couch next to me, and it was like the sub level, and I got my helicopter gunship, and I am just, you know, it gives you the perspective of the cockpit, and then you are just like raining down death, and you know, yeah. got like fifteen kills or whatever, and it, it, it is, it is uniquely exhilarating when you are in that. It's like you know, a Fall Guys or or anything really when you're absolutely competing online. Absolutely, the- you're competing with real people, and that's part of it. And when you are on, when you're on, and I mean, one thing that I think is. um about apex is like it's fundamentally a level playing field um you know the legends are pretty well balanced against each other and so like you it's not about having that moment where you have like what i've read about with titanfall 2 where like hey suddenly you're in a titan and you're just stomping right and i'm sure that's an incredible experience too but it's like when you when you're really on you you know that it's like mostly all you and to some extent maybe you got lucky with having some shitty players you're matched against. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> At least one of those uh kill leader matches in, in that evening, like I was like, God, I got I got the noobs lobby this time. Like I got the lucky roll this time because I'm just like coming up on a party and like one V threeing them and they're all so like so just out of it. <laughs> it didn't matter. But like the rest of the time it's like I'm playing against people around my level or overall the lobby is balanced around my mm-hmm. level of play. And so that makes it like when I'm on, I know I'm on and that's just super fucking like, there's nothing quite, I mean, okay, actually, honestly, there is something like it too. In the single player experience, it's fucking from soft boss when you've been grinding away and then you're finally on and you're, you're rolling at the right time and hitting at the right time. And you know, the dance it's, mm-hmm. it's a really similar feeling. It's just a, you know, with the added satisfaction of knowing that you're owning somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, man. Well, I'm glad you're sticking with uh, Outer Wilds. I, uh, it seems like at this point, it definitely is has stuck. And oh, it's super stuck. I want it. Will... I, I want to finish that game real bad now. Actually, it's just that like, I also, I've been thinking about that. Like, could I just say, you know what, I'm gonna play Outer Wilds for a half an hour if I've got a half an hour. It's a little hard to convince myself of that now that I'm into it. Like, I want at least an hour because I want at least like you know, two, three attempts, depending on mm-hmm. how well they go. You ever just vibe in, in the space, like sit on a planet and watch the shit go by. Oh dude, that was actually this crazy moment that I had the other day where I had no choice, but to vibe okay. um, the, uh, what do they call the comet? Yeah. The interloper, the interloper. I wound up on it. Yeah. And I wound up parking on it. And then when I turned around, my ship was gone. <laughs> Uh, like I guess I'm on this comet until yep. the supernova happens, and so I'm gonna hang out and I'm gonna vibe here on the comet. And, and I was actually I was gonna ask about the comet if you've explored much of the comet yet. I walked more or less all over what I think is all over it, but I haven't found yeah. anything yet, which means that there's something I am missing, or that I might need another clue first and then have to go back there because I have a feeling that 
there are some things in the game that are only discoverable by discovering something else previously that not I mean, in as much as as the knowledge required, but there's there's never going to be a, a lever that's flipped that. No, no, obviously, because it has to reset each time. But so, for instance, this thing that I am dealing with with Giants Deep, mm-hmm. there's something that I need to be capable of doing there in order to alter the tidal situation. Mm-hmm. But right? I right, and I guess what I'm saying, and, and I like, I think and I feel like stumbling across that is some incredible long shot. Whereas like the game very intentionally gives you a clue that says, go here. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's just like being able to do it versus knowing to do it. Cause you're able to do literally you, know, you anything. Can, you can beat theory. the game in 20 minutes. Uh, you know, if you know what you're doing, um, if you know where, where you're heading. And yeah, I mean, definitionally that's... you have to beat the game in 20 minutes because that's all the time you get. Right. right. Um, but theoretically you could unpack none, none of the clues or if you were coming back to it and you had a good memory, Right. You could go like, yep, I know that this is where I need to go to do the final thing to complete the game, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Sure enough. Uh, well, good stuff, man. I think uh, we'll uh, move ahead to the next feature. The first. I, we better, because I understand we've got a guest tonight. And, I believe we uh, do have a guest in the wings. We can't get to the guest um, without uh, ranking, so. No, we can't. So uh, with that said, it is time for Game Ranks. Rank it on up, Moses. Uh, well, Paul. Uh, tonight's rank, my 90th ranked game, I'm going back to the old, old, old school. And I, uh, I had questions in my mind about ranking this game, but I feel like the sheer amount of time I spent with it in childhood and as an adult was enough to say like, you know what, as simple as this game is in a way, as stupid as this game is, Mm -hmm. it deserves the spot. At least for now, it gets to dwell for a brief time in my 88th slot after tribes ascend and before Dexter is Atari combat. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah, released in 1977, a year after my birth, I think that almost everyone who is of an age knows combat because it's like the game, if you played no other game on the Atari, you know, you got, I don't remember how many different variants of of combat possibility, but the classic is, of course, the tanks. It's what it starts you off with is just a tank versus tank. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there was also the biplane and the jet mode. And, uh, you know, not a huge, I mean, you just, you're shooting at each other and whoever hits the other player first wins the round and that's it. That's the game. It keeps a score. I can't remember how many points it goes to. Um, honestly though, playing it, uh, as an adult, not all that long ago. Well, yeah. Okay. Long enough ago, but we don't need to get into that, but I was an adult. Um, it was still super fucking fun for, it's the kind of thing where like plug, plug the Atari in. And you're going to play combat for 20 minutes and you're going to totally enjoy it in spite of its simplicity. It's just a little red and a blue tank. Maybe you've got, um, you know, the bouncy shots on and you're trying to like corner each other and hit those projectiles. I think probably the mode with the most, um, the most give the most play is the invisible tanks mode. Ah, where you only become visible when you fire a shot. Right. Fog of war. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, Absolutely. But then also there is the mode with the uh, with the jets and with the planes and including the giant biplane, <laughs> like the smaller planes. It's like, who came that up was, with this? This is just dumb. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's my favorite. To, it's it's the one I'm happiest exists, which is the three little planes versus the one, one big plane. Big plane. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? You know what that mode is for? That's the mode that you give to the younger brother or younger sibling. And so the older sibling, uh, you know, is at at, at a reasonable disadvantage. 
but yeah, so combat, it's just a classic. Um, yeah. And in and amongst the other, uh, you know, possible games to rank this week, I was just like, let's just give combat a moment in the sun. Uh, if Minesweeper is on my list, combat should probably be on my list at this point. It's such an anchor of a game. Nice, man. Yeah, I remember some good times around a literal Atari, you yep. know, uh, and those weird cartridges and the, the all the, the the switches on the Atari and trying to get it going. And um, I mean, the Atari yeah. definitely brought blowing into the cartridge, it, you know, into existence before the Nintendo. Right. Like it, it, it was the original platform that made that a thing. Yep. So, you know. Very good, man. Uh, well, for me this week, um, a, a throwback of a of a different nature, although spiritually linked in, in, in a way, maybe to combat, uh, or maybe I'm just talking at my ass. But it's my new number ninety three. It is Geometry Wars on the Xbox three sixty. Oh, nice, man! Um, that uh, I oh my god, game. right? Such Geometry a game. Yeah. Wars. Like this was when downloading a game onto your console still felt novel. Uh, not that it's any less important or good these days, but like, it's like, holy shit, I can just, like, I still remember where I lived and how it felt to download Braid, you sure. know, like that is sure. an anchor memory there. Um, but, uh, Geometry Wars, I, I know you've played it and loved it. It's, oh, hell yeah. you know, just a simple 2D sort of shmup, but you're on one screen trying to kill uh, enemies and i just remember chasing that i think it's a million points for the for an achievement on the 360 never oh, getting yeah. there getting close approaching but, like, but not quite succeeding the way that game ramps up and i still remember the enemy spawning noise <laughs> once you're like in the end game oh, you're like yeah. oh my god there's nothing i'm gonna be able to do here um and the music is incredible. I I, I have. I a was going to say, you better mention the music. Yeah, I have a little backlog of of music. I'm I'm really excited to share a couple tracks from Baldur's Gate with you. I, oh, I think yeah. we'll do that next week. And then I plum forgot uh, to share some Armored Core music that I, I said I was going to on last episode and did not. Um, but we'll definitely get to that next week. Um, but man, it, like just chasing the scores, and it is such a simple, pure experience and then you have the other game modes uh uh best of which is pacifism where yeah. i mean you can shoot but it just bounces right off and you have to pass through these little gates to destroy the enemies um yep and there you can get into this real flow state with with geometry wars um absolutely and it's almost it, like a quintessential flow state game it's like tetris in that way yeah, like games that you can hold up to talk about flow state, you know, to is like an illustration of how video games can can produce flow. It's one of the best examples. Yeah. Um. So you know, it's been a minute since I've I've played it. I kind of bounced off uh, the sequels. Like I think I own Geometry Wars three on my my PS five. Um, and some of them really deviated from Geometry Wars uh, one and didn't have the stuff I wanted. Geometry Wars 3 does have it. So, you know, I think I'll I'll go back to it eventually and, and check it out a little more. But I'll have to keep an eye out for that either on freebies or on uh, on sale because it'd be a good one to have in, in the yeah. mix. Yep. Um, so I don't know. Not I, I know you've I mean you've you played it, right? Oh god, yeah, yeah, definitely. 
back in the day back, when we were both Xbox people. In the Xbox times, <laughs> in the times of Xbox. In an era of Xbox. Yes. Which ironically um, doesn't have Baldur's Gate 3 yet. No. And actually, um, so I've texted our, our guest, and uh, he will be joining us shortly, and then we'll give him the, you know, the little pep talk, and then we'll we'll get to it, which none of you will hear out there in podcast land. But I think in real time, while we wait here, uh, maybe I can just play a little bit of the Baldur's Gate music, uh, since we're just going to be sitting on the Zoom anyway. Oh, wait. Oh, never mind. There he is. Uh, with that said, then, it is now time for the guest segment. And joining us this week in our guest segment is Severin Brunges Turl. Hello, Severin. Hi, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah. thanks for, for joining us. Yet another one of my co-workers that I've converted into into podcast guest. <laughs> but uh, but here we are, and um, I know you know you and I have a pretty similar uh, gaming palette. You know, a lot of uh, FromSoft. We're both. Uh, you know, we're actually right about the same part in in Baldur's Gate, um, which we are going uh, spoiler free for for Moses here, as he has yet to to begin his adventures. Anything you want to say about like mechanics, about the world? I'm familiar with uh, you know Forgotten Realms and anything in that vein, sure. But anything that is uh, kind of major plot beats, I will uh, prefer not to hear about them yet. <laughs> yeah, totally understandable. Uh, I won't go into any of the plot stuff um i will say it's the best adaptation of like the 5e dungeons and dragons that i've ever seen like put into a game yeah that is what i've heard yeah no doubt and man like you need to bring your a game when you're like it's it's almost it is in fact intimidating sometimes when i sit down to play which is well i mean i would normally have a beer before anyway but that gives me enough like courage to actually sit down and start interfacing with with all this uh madness um Funny. but uh we will start off with our normal slate of questions here um so severin i i've got three questions for you and then moses will have three of his own uh severin if you could tell me what is the first game you remember playing hmm. Honestly, I want to say either uh, Medieval on PS1 or Final Fantasy VII, I'd have to say. Couple of bangers. And we were yeah. we were actually talking about those very games uh, the other day and how I loaned my copy of Final Fantasy IX to my coworker in exchange for his copy of Medieval, um, which was fun. I had a great time with Medieval. And then I got my copy back and the instruction booklet was gone and I never... <laughs> Never saw it again. No. And I was so pissed. But I was a 16-year-old at Applebee's, and he was like an older waiter, and he was an asshole, and there was just nothing I could do. Um, Now, did you, like, buy the PlayStation with your Christmas money or get it for your birthday? Or, like, how did you acquire these these goods? Honestly, uh, both my parents were into gaming, so my mom mm, like, nice. always had consoles in the house, so... Uh, I just grew up being like raised on those type of games, especially yeah. like RPGs and open world uh, games, but uh, a lot of adventure games too, like medieval. Do your parents still game? Um, No, my mom actually uh, passed away a few years ago. I don't want to bring down the mood, um, but yeah, she did game throughout her entire life. Um, 
though towards the end she got really into like uh pc rpgs a lot of okay. mmos oh, no kidding wow interesting uh um... my my dad doesn't really uh mess with that stuff anymore but he uh he did game for a bit do you know like what the the last game your your father has has played like where it started to kind of drop off a bit or the last um, game that really like it was like holy shit this is that was probably like years ago back on the ps2 i'd have to say yeah um mm -hmm. i'm trying to think of like specifics at the moment i know both my parents played a lot of grand theft auto at that time they nice. wouldn't let me they wouldn't let me play it though they of they'd, like they'd make me go to bed and play it while i was sleeping. oh my god that is torture. so epic oh wow <laughs> You must have just, and then you're you're maybe hearing it from the other room, and like your imagination is just a fire. Yeah, they thought it was uh, too inappropriate for me at that Which, time. <laughs> might, a prompt actually for gamer parents to be able to make the call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, Severin, my next question: uh, What is the first game you remember beating? First game I remember beating. Um, hmm. I want to say it's actually Age of Empires two. Okay. I played a lot of RTS games at one point, and uh, those were the first games that like I really got into. Um, I also want to think of like maybe Elder Scrolls: Oblivion, Elder Scrolls: uh, Morrowind. Yeah. You got your your hoplites going in Age of Empires. Yeah, I loved Age of Empires. I also played a lot of uh, Stronghold. Um, oh yeah. St Star Wars: uh, Empire at War, I believe it was called. I remember Stronghold. Stronghold was was great. Um, this might have been before your time, but do you remember an RTS called Castles? Castles. I've heard the name, but I don't think I ever played it. And you could like, oh my god, I haven't thought like, about that game. Yeah, and you could wow. like, I mean, you could build castles, and it had this piracy protection, um, where the Pope would come and ask you a question about what was on like page sixty of the rule book, which. I don't think we were pirating the game, but we didn't have the rule book, so you just have to guess. And I'd guess it wrong, and then it'd always get excommunicated from the church, and then your your days are numbered at that point. <laughs> um, that game was... Just that game like was in cool. real life. Right? These games right. are such enduring simulations. Yes. Um, well, speaking of enduring simulations, Severin, my final question, what is your favorite game? I'm going to have to go with uh, Elder Scrolls uh, 3 Morrowind. That has to be, uh, that was the first time I was like fully immersed in an RPG. And like the magic system is just incredible. You can create your own spells. Um, you can become an overpowered wizard that a lot of RPGs like prevent you from becoming. Yeah. So did you play Elder Scrolls and then it was Daggerfall? Was that Elder Scrolls 2? Yeah, I never played any of those until recently, actually, because um, I believe that was in the mid-90s that those came out. Okay. And did you have to mod it, or could you just play it play it raw? Um, you can actually get it on Steam, and it like works without any editing. Okay. Which is uh, amazing. I feel like Morrowind would be worth going back to, but I mean, do you, the other two, do you think there's, is there much merit to like exploring those as a curiosity? Um, I definitely think if you're curious, it's worth they're worth playing, but I think you really have to be into RPGs to be willing yeah. to uh, try them out. They're not very accessible. Yeah, mm. which is part of the charm. It's like the the RuneScape thing, which I never got into, but it seemed complex and and dangerous, and like you could die or be killed and have your shit taken, and like that's that stuff's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I still do go back to RuneScape occasionally because uh, that was one of the first MMOs I ever played. Um, nice. 
back when I was a kid, I remember going to like an internet cafe near my uh my house, and uh, one of my friends was like, "Oh, go check out this game, RuneScape," and it's kind of where it started. It was super available. It in in the age of uh, kind of the the dominance of the MMO, that was the game that was like the most accessible to the broadest audience. Yeah, didn't you, didn't, the... you didn't have to like go out to a store and buy a CD. You didn't have to install anything. You could just look it up mm. and start playing. Nice. Didn't have to pay a subscription cost, and that was definitely the era of the subscription cost too. So yeah, yeah. When I, I definitely discovered uh, when I discovered World of Warcraft a few years later, I always wanted to uh, play it, but my uh, parents just wouldn't justify the subscription, so uh-huh, I just yeah. stuck with RuneScape. Yeah. Do you have a sense has is the RuneScape of today dramatically different from how it was, or is part of that game like keeping it old school? So they still run servers of the old school RuneScape um, from like the 2005, 2011 days, I believe. Hmm. Um, but the continuation of that, which I believe they call RuneScape 3, is completely different. They uh, unfortunately introduced a lot of microtransactions mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. It kind of just became a generic RPG. Mm-hmm. Like you do. Because, yeah, Moses and I have spoken like we both loved WoW back in the day but feel like we would have trouble going back to wow which is why wow classic exists i'm sure but like all the changes to the geography of the world it's like it's not the wow that i remember and the wow that i i want so i mean but you can still play like the classic runescape i'm 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 sure yeah that's that's what i keep my uh current account on is the uh <laughs> uh old school runescape just for the nostalgia what's your um, character name uh I want to say Thunraz, which is like my okay. musical project name. Right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. About World of Warcraft. Um, I never really, since I never really got to play it as a kid, I was looking about playing World of Warcraft Classic, but I just feel like at this point, like it's just aged like so much that it just won't be the same as if I played it back then. Mm. True. Uh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder how a fresh, a fresh look at, at Classic would feel. I mean, I bet it would still grab you. I don't know. What do you think, Moses? Maybe. Hard if you had friends, say. that would you'd be have a big to. Part that, of it. This is the bottom line. I think. I think that that's the bottom line with probably any uh, any older MMO in particular. It's like I I think it would be really tough to make it go with strangers online in the current generation of the internet, the current you know phase of what online life is about. But if you had friends to play with, yeah, probably. I think you can still probably find the fun pretty easily. But you know, yeah, everybody so, has to make the time and commit, right? That's the that's the one kicker with everything else that you could possibly be gaming, among other things. Yeah, uh you mentioning the uh current generation of internet users, that's also something I had in my mind. Like a lot of experiences I had with friends uh back in the day, I just don't think uh would exist with strangers now. Yeah. It's gotten I mean, the kind of toxicity that there was then, it's not that there wasn't toxicity, but it I don't know. It's worse out there for sure. <laughs> it's definitely worse out there. It's um. Well, anyway, enough about that. Um, Paul, did you have any final final follow up? Well, I was just on? thinking about WoW and and your point, Severin, about going back and like, I played it with my two younger brothers, and one of them is still a gamer, and the other isn't, and I doubt ever really will be again in the same way, and. It's literally a, a closed chapter, which which is okay. There's plenty of closed chapters in in life, but 
usually with game, you know, with a lot of media, like if I pick up The Hobbit, still get the exact same experience, except my journey as as an adult or or whatever, you know, will will have enhanced that. But some stuff is is locked in time and can never be again. And that's its own kind of uh kind of special for sure. Well, speaking of kind of special, Moses, I believe you have uh, three I've got questions. Some kind of special questions yeah. for you, Severin. Okay, um, let's go. Yeah, yeah. So I always customize some questions, and then of course, if we have you back on on the pod, then then Paul will further customize some of his own questions. Um, so we've laid this down. We're talking RPGs, fucking bare bones, the brutal, the minimalist fighter, wizard, or rogue. Ooh, um. So I I do love the idea of a wizard of just being able to like grow in power and like you're you're actually like studying um, with the uh, offensive abilities that you use. Absolutely, um, I love like the scholar aspect of it. But I usually always end up going just with a straight fighter because I I just find like as a first time experience in an RPG that it's just like the most like straightforward uh, way to experience the game. Did you mean a, a barbarian on Diablo this time around? Yes, um, I went for one of those uh, classic uh, spin-to-win builds. Yep. There you uh, go. The only thing I am uh, was a little disappointed in about is I remember back in the day in Diablo 2, I could just spin like nonstop, like just constantly. And then uh, Diablo 4 had this weird mechanic where you had to build it up and then you could use it for a little bit and then you had to build it back up. And it, I just found that kind of annoying. Totally reasonable. All right. Um, no, I'm going to keep this order. I, I was like, the third question is almost uh, kind of closer related to the second to the first question, but that's okay. Um, so you're a musician too. Yes, I play guitar, bass, and I do vocals. Um, my project does have drums, but I've been using a drum machine for that right now. Okay, um, right on. So just moving to a new city, uh, Madison, I've been uh, thinking about finding an actual drummer. You know, uh, there's nothing quite like having an actual drummer. I can't not not gonna lie. Um, I've been playing with a project myself lately with a really good drummer pretty delightful um my question for you though is have video games influenced you musically uh yeah actually like totally they have um a lot of times when i think of like inspiration like lyrically or even musically sometimes i think a lot about the lore of like rpgs i play yeah like the world building like really influences uh, my musical concepts man that's awesome i mean tell me a little bit more um like uh elder scrolls for example um one of my projects i was writing about uh vampires in my lyrics and uh i was thinking about uh castle um off the top of my head i think it's like full care full care castle in uh northern skyrim and i was thinking about like the elder scrolls lore and um kind of the history of vampires within elder scrolls and how i could like derive like lyrical inspiration from that nice man that's epic all right well, my final question for you. You can cast any one 5th edition cantrip in real life. It needs to be something that's like a Wizards of the Coast official, not some wacky homebrew shit. What one cantrip do you choose? I'm going to have to think about this one. I know. I This is why I kept this one for number three. I try and escalate the difficulty a little bit, you know. I almost want to think of like um, encode thoughts or uh, just mm. a simple one like light. I mean, that would be useful, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking of like more offensive ones, but I'm like, I, I wouldn't really have a, a, a use for that in real life. Like, <laughs> right. Well, not a cantrip, but fair enough. Yes. Or what is it? Firebolt? I think that's the fifth ed one where they, cause they, yeah, fifth ed really got uh, generous. 
because they were like, you know, we've been screwing the casters over for too long. So let's give them an offensive tool that they can use when they run out of everything else. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that? Yeah. I was actually confusing um, ah, can spells and cantrips for a second, but like, I don't, fi oh, wait, Firebolt is the 5e um, cantrip, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. It's, a, it's a, yeah, cantrip, zero level spells, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, sorry about that. Oh, um, yeah, I, I actually haven't played a and d game in a few years now. I've been uh, thinking about finding another group to play, but the issues we always had was like in scheduling and things like that. It is the perennial ultimate boss of all D&D games. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, I'm going to I'm going to go with message for cantrips. Oh, nice. Yeah. Absolutely. Is like, that just you psychically send a message to someone else, or how, how does message work? Well, um, yes, kind but. of like that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you can use your like voice or your like mind, or you can even use material to basically uh, project a message. But it only has a range of 120 feet. Is the problem? So it's like, okay, I don't think you'll be like long distance uh, can tripping. Right. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, you can move through solid objects with it, though. Okay, uh, that's helpful. And it does not have a limit like some of the other lower level but longer distance spells. I'm blanking on the name of it. Um, where, you know, there's only a limited number of words you can send. So, you know, there are definitely contexts where many contexts. This is definitely one of those like day to day, uh, you know, the workplace kind of situation or the awkward family gathering or, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Nice. Yeah, I uh, felt like that had a lot of real life uh, applications that the, some of the other ones would uh, not be very ethical to use. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, throwing think, fireballs at work. I think control <laughs> flame is a is a cantrip, but like mostly that's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> uh, cool, good stuff. Well, I believe with that we will uh, head into your topic of discussion, Severin. Uh, what do you have for us? I suppose we could go into like Baldur's Gate without like um, exposing any of like the uh, major plot points. I mean, I feel like I've been doing like talking about it a lot with people to try to like sell them on it without like spoiling anything. So I feel like that's something we could do. Yeah, yeah. get into it. Yeah. Any any top of mind thoughts from you? Um, Off the top of my head, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, I think, does the uh, turn based type of gameplay better than like any other game I've uh played in that type of like uh, category so i was just thinking about this not about baldur's gate 3 but because um i finally got my every other sunday 5e game going again uh with you know friend of the pod jason newberry mm -hmm. um and uh i was thinking about how DD is funny because it's like tell fantastic stories Spend three hours revolving, uh, you know, resolving 20 seconds of real time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious how Baldur's Gate kind of handles that aspect of, of Dungeons and Dragons as a rule set of the fact that like combat in real play D&D &D at the table. It's like one of the most well-known things about uh, about real play podcasts is how you have to often either cut stuff or have like an incredibly finely tuned table or hand wave stuff because like listening to the process of each turn taking place is, is not compelling unless you're like in it yourself. Right? No, but if it all happened magically instantly, and if uh, someone shoots an arrow at me and 
I have a reaction to try and catch the arrow out of the air. I don't have to remember that. I don't have to roll damage dice and count them mm -hmm. up. Like it's almost, and I'm sure these things exist, but almost like an AI uh, dungeon master helper would be would be a great uh, a great tool um, because there's just like you you can think as long as you need to in between turns and stuff, but. Uh, and combat encounters can last maybe 20 minutes, maybe longer, but I mean, there's no cruft. It all just is action and reaction uh, based on, on your choices. Yeah, it's very uh, seamless. There are dice rolls in the game, but it is just handled by the AI, kind of like how uh, Paul uh, brought up. So you never really get, like, there's no, like, gaps in between it. Um, your characters react while everything's going on. You have, like, epic music playing. Uh, the atmosphere is like moving around behind you so it doesn't really feel like um there's any issues with that do your uh party members make their own decisions or to what extent like for instance uh, at one end of the spectrum like dragon's age origins gave you the ability to either totally micromanage them or give them some kind of rough scripts to follow um so that's kind of like a, that that kind of to me defines a spectrum that you could go to of like literally you're taking everybody's turn uh, at the far end, other end of the spectrum, my guess would be you don't actually make, you know, they have, they come with their own, um, you know, their own set of of decisions that they're prone to making in combat. So yes. that's where it, uh, sorry. No, you go. Uh, that's where it kind of differs from uh, real life D&D &D, where like every player um, handles their own actions. With D&D, &D, um, you handle every individual member of your party's actions and you can't really switch it like in uh dragon age which i love dragon age as well um you have to once you complete all the moves you're doing on one character you have to hit in turn and it goes to another character which can be in your party or um against the enemy party you're fighting sure but either way you do have to um micromanage uh, every member of your party yeah which i mean i i don't think i'd want it any other any other way even like because this game has co-op as mm -hmm. well, which could certainly be fun, and I'd be interested in, in giving it a whirl, but I kind of can't imagine a full playthrough like that, unless it was maybe a second playthrough or something. But, like, I, I want to have that exacting control over over everything. Yeah, absolutely. No, I could see that. I mean, actually, it harkens back to, like, the original, like, Pool of Radiance uh, computer game. God, I gotta rank that at some point. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> not that I ever finished it, but, like, the original old-school um, you know, CRPGs uh, that, that, that one was of course, actually like TSR licensed D and D, but like even Bart's tale and that kind of era of stuff. Are you, uh, have you gotten many game overs in combat Severin where you just die? Honestly, the only two areas of the game where it happened was I came across this, uh, pyromancer. And uh, he told me to guess the password or something like that. And I guessed incorrectly and just blew up my whole team. Uh, so, that was, uh, so that was like, that was one of the, the instances where that happened. Um, the other was a uh, goblin chieftain just uh, massacred my whole team. I, I just, we were not powerful enough to fight him. Yeah. Um, I missed that pyromancer. I heard something about a pyromancer quest in Act 1 and I have yet to to encounter that as I'm almost at the end of act one but I mean and without going into it like Moses there was a 
something happens early on and I'm like, that looks dangerous. Fuck that. Right. And then I kind of mm-hmm. forgot about it and I come back to it and there's a whole ass party member tied up in that, that you're kind of supposed to get right away and who would have made <laughs> combat a lot easier. <laughs> and nope, he was just doing his thing and I was doing my thing. And then it was like, oh shit. And then like, but it let you make the choice. Let me make the choice. It seemed like the wise choice. It probably was the wise choice. But also, I should have known that early on, the game probably isn't looking to screw you over incredibly badly. Or just quick save and try. I mean, only if it gives you a, you know, DM setting where it's between, like, you know, storyteller, companion, and murderous intent, uh, you know, TPK is their entire objective. Yeah, yeah. Um. Which I might like to play that game, but that's not this game from what I've heard, been <laughs> yeah. told. Um, yeah. Any other uh, any other sort of mechanical thoughts on on Baldur's Gate, Severin? Well, see, in general, I got uh, pretty bored of the turn based uh, type of RPGs because um, I played so many of them, starting with like the earlier uh, Final Fantasy games. Sure. Um, but I feel like. Baldur's Gate does it in a way where it feels more like I'm playing like an immersive game of like D&D. So mm-hmm. like every turn feels exciting and it feels like I really have to think about what I'm doing. Um, and I just love that. It's it's really challenging and immersive at the same time. Um, outside of combat, there are a lot of mechanics that let you interact with the world, such as climbing up rocks or throwing items or jumping. Um, yeah. So that so I find that really cool that like balance between turn based and uh, real time interaction. Does the proficiency system come into play uh, with characters as well in terms of some of those tasks that are? are is there still like a die roll kind of component to it? Yeah, there is a die roll in those um, real time actions as well. For instance, nice. um, if you're trying to pick a lock, you'll have to roll for initiative, and you can easily like have a critical failure and just have some consequences for your team nice yeah, i didn't even have those real consequences i don't even know how to lock pick for there's this whole contextual menu on on console that i missed i'm like well i don't have a rogue in my party so i guess i can't even attempt to pick these locks not true and i have since removed the rogue from my party because it, it just wasn't well i wasn't sneak attacking and it just wasn't he didn't seem that powerful, uh, but I probably wasn't using him right either. Um, but uh, but my 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 character, the bard, has pretty high decks, so he he does okay with the lock picking anyway. Like the pure five E version of this is that you need the tool skill to be able to do that. They changed it pretty substantially mm-hmm. from how it had been built out in uh, you know older and many many like maybe even the vast majority of other RPGs when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So. They decide to kind of make a tweak in that. You need to have the tools and you need to be skilled to use the tools. So you do still have to have a uh, the tools to um, lockpick. Um, I've also gotten the habit, though, of attacking every uh, chest I see uh, just, no, to make, just to make sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I didn't even think about that. I was just playing a little bit before we started recording here, and it's there are these potion racks or wine racks, uh, uh, two distinct racks in the game. And 
it's just a funny little thing. Like I'm going through trying to loot everything and then I hit the button and my character like pulls out his crossbow and like shoots the empty potion rack because that's like the default action if there's nothing there. I'm like, you don't need to destroy everything in sight, but. You got to be careful if it's a full potion rack. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. Yeah, it's. Boy, there's there's it. It just, it almost, like I said, it almost feels too big, too dense. Uh, my older brother is also playing, and he said he took a break as he's getting to the, close to the end of Act 2, and was advising to, like, keep it on, like, almost like a real play D&D type session. Mm. But it's like, well, there's no way I'm going to only play this once a week. Like, I, I get the spirit of what he's saying, but mm -hmm. uh, but no, it's too good to not to not play. To drink from the fire hose just a little bit. Yes. I also will say, with the amount of options the game uh, gives you, it's definitely worth uh, multiple playthroughs. Yeah. And without going into it, uh, going into you destroying the uh, the or shooting the potions with your crossbow by accident, um, the game can be really unforgiving. Uh, I actually took a long break from the game because I uh, ruined a side quest by unintentionally destroying the object I was trying to get. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, you can get yourself in some predicaments. I was I was telling Moses how I last night I I thought I had soft locked my game because I was in a predicament in combat and I couldn't get out of it. And I found a solution with a potion of invisibility and then resurrecting <laughs> three quarters of my party after I left them for dead, basically. Uh, but at least the, the story continues. I mean, I'll admit I've uh, used Withers uh I'm sorry. Um, there's a character in the game that can um, you for a price can resurrect uh, certain people, and I've uh, unfortunately used that way more than I. Yeah, <laughs> than is ideal. Yeah. Yeah, Fair you can enough. get into some sticky situations, and like the game has no mercy. And I'm sure some people have been soft locked. If you were in a slightly just like if I didn't have that potion of invisibility, I don't know what I would have done. And I didn't have four of them, so I could only save one of my dudes. But, like, I don't know what I would have done. I might have had to start, the, you know, the 30-hour thing over again. I've definitely been in a few situations like that. Um, all in all, though, I'd say that this is definitely a game of the year contender. I oh, haven't played yeah. anything this year that really, anything, actually, that can stand up to it. Like, just the story, uh, the individual characterization. Mm -hmm. um like every single character i legitimately feel attached to and um their background lore is uh it's really intriguing um the last game i played that i could even think of with characters that are this immersive is probably uh the mass effect series okay yeah high praise and even 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 with this like the characters almost look one-dimensional in mass effect because like each character is its own sort of fleshed out individual but then they always have like one extra characteristic hmm. that almost flips it on its head. Like, okay, he's this class, but he's also a vampire. Or she's this thing, but she worships this dark god, hmm. goddess. And like, or my girlfriend wants to murder everyone and I don't. <laughs> so how do I, you know, how do I reconcile that? She's she's so hot. How do I say no? God, to it's that? just like real life. Oh, wait. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I do wish they had the um, alignment chart in the mm. game, which they unfortunately don't. Oh, but you, yeah. But it does play around with that a lot. There's a lot of characters that aren't that are like 
probably like chaotic evil, but then you also have like uh, chaotic good. Mm-hmm. A lot of there's not like a. I mean, it would shock me if that is not actually in there and buried. You know, from what uh, Paul, from what you've been saying, at least, like, yeah, or is de- it definitely sounds conspicuously like it might be there but not exposed like you're not really unless it is specifically like you're you know detect good or evil or that kind of thing or like you're not really supposed to actually know that when you're at table either right right? like you know the characters are played how they're played by party members or by the dm playing npcs but in a really good game of DD, you have no idea what somebody's alignment is except through their actions and uh, i wouldn't at all be shocked if they built the system underneath but just kept it hidden that way. Yeah. I honestly wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, like Paul said, none of the characters are like one dimensional. Um, even the the good characters, uh, a lot of times have a lot of their own personal issues or will do things that are kind of contradictory to what uh, they stand for. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And at a, at a really good table, your alignment chart is only as good as, you know, the, as it's going to get you in terms of RP and decision-making. Right. It's like, and if you run into a really hard question, and if you're a paladin, then your DM's going to make you suffer the consequences. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I guess one final thought I, I had. Uh, be careful if you try and mind read your companions, because they will not. If they catch you, I, I tried to mind read someone, and she caught me, and she was like, "If you do that again, I'm going to leave you to die in the wilderness." And like, yeah, shockingly enough, I'm sure she meant it, and fair enough. Like that is a, yeah. a violation. Although my character isn't evil or even an asshole, it felt like because we were trying to come to an accord, and I'm like, "Okay, well, if I just read your mind and share my mind, then we'll know for sure." But and I'm sure that would have happened if I succeeded on the die roll, but I didn't, and she was pissed. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, you know, there's a reason why the spell dominate person is evil. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, nice. Any uh any final thoughts on on BG three from you, Severin? Um, I think I pretty much summed up everything. Um just I don't think there's any game that's come out in the past few years that really rivals it in terms of storytelling, world building, and uh, characterization. Agreed. Like they took a long time to make this game. It was an early access for what, like three years or something. It feels like, um, and the fact that it doesn't just collapse under its own weight. Like there is, like, the, all this bad shit happened last night that has big implications for. A certain character and like the game knows it and keeps track of it and the character knows it and keeps track of it and like logically of course they would but in a lesser game it feels like some of those details would get lost in the shuffle but it feels like this game is able to keep track of every little bit of of storytelling and uh oh my god i just want to play it <laughs> yeah i complete i completely agree um i think it really shakes up the current game industry especially uh, being made by a smaller studio uh, yeah. such as Larian. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling Moses, like, coming from Diablo 4, which is a game that does not respect your time or intelligence, to Baldur's Gate <laughs> that does in spades, like, and there's room for both. Like, I enjoyed my 100 hours or whatever with, with Diablo. Uh, but it's good to, you know, make these demarcation points as well in terms of 
I don't know, developer intent, right? It feels like Diablo wants your money. Baldur's Gate wants you to love the game and like it wants your claim succeed. <laughs> yeah, they each, they're each succeeding what they're doing in their own way, I suppose. Yeah. Um, great. Well, I think we'll uh, press ahead to the final feature of our show. It is time for Make My Game. Coming what are we this, making this week? We are making a game from Mad Fortress Studios. And the potential game name, and I guess, Severin, we didn't go into this, but uh, we can veto the game title if it just doesn't resonate with us. We each get a veto, and then there is a, a, a fourth bonus veto uh, that represents the show as a whole. But we have, from Mad Fortress Studios, Days and Crisis. Um, I get a I get a a light gun because because of time crisis, uh, which is a classic light gun arcade game. I'm, I'm getting that mm. sort of vibe, but not much else. So I'm I'm not sure on this one. I mean, I could run with it. Um, yeah. There's there's things that that could go, but I'm also open to to rolling the dice and seeing what the RNGs. Uh, I feel like since maybe since we haven't tackled this particular setup yet genre that maybe uh maybe we can go for it like how do we make a how do we put another spin on a light gun game they're they're so straightforward it seems like i think that's where days comes into it so i think we're going with this are we going with days in crisis yeah all right we're going with days in crisis i pretty much agree with what moses was saying um i don't see an immediate like need to change the name um yeah so I guess we can go for it. I, I'm getting a shooter vibe myself, kind of like a survival shooter, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. So I want a time control mechanic, but maybe it, maybe you're only allowed to move forward. Okay. Because days in crisis, for some reason, like in my mind, like the screen rapidly accelerating through a day-night cycle until you land hmm. was one of the images that kind of came to mind. And that could be kind of novel when accompanied with a light gun style game where you've got this other, um, you know, it's not time management in a normal sense. Right. Um, but it's more like trying to, uh, Severin, as you were saying, from a survival standpoint, trying to kind of pick your fights, right. And having some control over the days in relation to, uh, to that. Hmm. I do like the aspect of like this, hyperspeed landscape sun up sun down sun up sun down kind mm-hmm. of thing maybe there's almost a, a roulette system where you're trying to line up with your shots like three suns or three moons and then that determines maybe when it stops or, or some some aspect of that i'm definitely liking the multiple celestial objects as something that's going to inform challenge uh or inform what your you know objective might be mm-hmm. uh and that that's that's part of what makes this like a very different version of a, of a light gun style game. I was also thinking about the idea that maybe the time of day could influence like certain difficulty or perhaps like during the daytime, you'll see different enemies that you wouldn't see during the nighttime and vice versa. Yeah. What if this is the type of arcade game where you, you get uh, a little access card that you can put in and take out, and so you know how they have the pedal that you depress with your foot to to hide behind cover. Mm-hmm. What if 
there's a left pedal and a right pedal, and each one is for an individual foot. And you are actually stepping and moving through these environments. And it's actually limited by the, the time or your, your actual how many times you want to push down. Like that could be the the days part of it as well. That it it's 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 it could only exist in an arcade because it's this big cabinet with a light mm -hmm. gun, uh, which isn't even actually true. But in this instance, it is. And we're just going to assume it is. Yeah, you you actually have to mechanically step uh, forward. That could that's novel. Definitely novel. Um, I I you know coming back to the roulette wheel piece though i i'm kind of liking the idea that it starts spinning and you've got to take a shot to try and get it to land when you the when you want in order to then go back into your like more conventional shooting yeah. aspect of the game yeah and i mean does this even work in an arcade setting where you're more wanting like the quick burst like feeding it quarters maybe maybe you could have a uh, uh, a gauntlet style food <laughs> you know elf <laughs> needs food badly type thing where the, the quarters become your sustenance and maybe you can play as long as you want but if you want to take steps each step requires a certain amount of a, a percentage of a hamburger or something that's heading in the right in the right direction for the for and i mean i also think we can be a little bit freed up we're talking about a modern arcade cabinet setting so like you just need something to make sure that the play sessions aren't extraordinarily long, right? Mm -hmm. That you've got like a reasonable amount of time so that people can move through and, and it's, you know, not a natural uh, behavior to hog a specific machine, right? That becomes like kind of the bigger constraint here rather than the idea of like, oh, we needed to munch quarters at a certain rate, like, in the modern barcade era of things like that doesn't become quite as demanding mm -hmm. if you think about like um killer queen right mm -hmm. like it doesn't require from any given player it doesn't require an extraordinary expensive quarters to play right mm -hmm. maybe the the foot pedals uh gain resistance as you get more tired and then eventually like it almost becomes like one of those novelty, like punch the thing as hard as you can kind of things where your own physical limitations eventually come to bear as you cannot actually depress these, these pedals anymore. Ooh. This, yeah, is, this liking... is a new flavor for us. We normally don't go into like the physical. I'm liking the idea much, that but... using like modern pneumatic type shit, yeah. you could actually make the, uh, the physicality of the game have a, a really like, it, like coming back to the fiction, if you're somehow skipping through time, it's like it's taking a lot out of you, right? Mm -hmm. And so it becomes harder and harder to actually push forward. Yeah. Um, hmm. And and maybe it is just about moving through time. Like I don't know. I kind of see this this hallway that represents the passage of time, and you are stepping through at an accelerated pace. And maybe part of the game even involves slipping back to the beginning again. And taking your power or your, I don't know, your bullets with you. I haven't had much to say about the mechanical parts of it. The only type of game I really played in this type of uh, arcade rail shooter would have to be House of the Dead. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering more about the crisis part of the title. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. 
because yeah, crisis. A lot of the crisis of those games came from that counting timer, which I don't think exactly fits into days and crisis. So yeah, sort of yeah, redefining the the crisis part of it. Maybe you only get a certain amount of loops before the bad shit happens permanently. I don't know. Maybe you actually are you're needing to earn loops because you can only do so much in a given loop to avert the crisis before you are reset. And you can't yeah. fully, you know, you can't fully like end game state winning the game is about resolving whatever the series of, of uh, you know, elements are that are leading to this inevitable crisis. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm liking this idea. You're always moving forward. You're only, you're set back. You don't get to move back. You're set back. Yeah. Like in Futurama, where they go around again and like, this time we're going to kill Hitler, that kind of. Yes. And anytime we get into like time travel -y kind of stuff, it gets interesting because like the ripple effects and it gets, it gets complicated. I'm also wondering if like each time the game resets and sends you back to the beginning, if it may change every time you go back. Yeah, it changes based on what you've what you've done so that the dinosaurs have like chainmail the next time because of dinosaur and chainmail jesus here's a bonkers completely unrealistic idea but fuck it we're doing make my game like and unrealistic when i say this for the idea of of an arcade game what if the game is in constant progression what if a new player mm. does not get to start the game from zero they start it from whatever yeah. the last reset was yeah, and it's designed to still give them the ABC sequence of difficulty, but it is on the XYZ sequence of of the actual path in the game. I like One that. Of the paths until until it gets to a point where through multiple players pushing and pushing and pushing, you beat the game and then it actually mm -hmm. does a reset. Yeah. I feel like that would be possible with like some procedural generation technology. I'm just Yeah. That's an interesting idea actually. We have not typically bound ourselves to what we could theorize developing. In fact, we don't have much to say on that front at all with this exercise uh, and this activity. No, that's that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. So we've done a few things before where we're like, well, somebody would figure out how to make this happen. Yeah. They'd have to. Yeah. It's not going to be me, but someone else. Yeah. We'll just ask and they'll and they'll do it. I'll just tell ChatGPT to, to write the code for us. <laughs> um cool well i think uh yeah we'll just ask mad fortress studios and this is on a new because it's normally we're making the game moses but i guess this time we're asking mad fortress Studios. this is beyond our ken uh if they could make for us days and crisis for the arcades and i believe that does it for make my game uh, bringing us to the final bit of the show uh severin any final thoughts from you this week um has anyone uh tried out starfield yet not yet just that's you been, that's been yeah. kind of a that's been kind of a point of uh contention online uh i've noticed yeah. this past week i think if if i didn't have armored core and baldur's gate and it was available on ps5 i i probably would have but uh but that is not yet the case starfield has apparently breathed new life into um uh what's it called that other space game no, or Real specific uh, Moses. No Man's Sky. Really, No Man's it, Sky, or no, uh, maybe or Star one. Citizen. No Star Citizen. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, Star Sleeper Citizen. Wait, no, that's not right. 
the only Good. thing I'll the only thing I'll say say about it without going to uh, into it is if you just want a Bethesda RPG like you're you, like maybe another Fallout game, then the game will probably be fun for you. But if you want something like No Man's Sky, Star Citizen, or Elite Dangerous, uh, you're probably better off just getting one of those games. Yeah. Noted. Right on. Uh, any final thoughts from you, Moses? You know, um, whatever y'all are doing out there, just keep doing it. Mm. Just keep it up. Keep up the good the good work, people. You're doing great. All right. Quite a, a pep talk. Yep. Everyone, everyone needs some inspiration from time to time. Yes. Exactly. Bardic inspiration exactly. from Moses. And actually, I meant to ask, maybe this will be the final question here. Do you know what uh, what class you're going to choose when you do embark on your Baldur's Gate oh, journey? Fine. Me. That's such a difficult question. Yeah. Does it give you the full like I believe so. bard? Oh, you yeah. know, the whole yeah, every, everything. I haven't even met a paladin yet, and you can be one. Oh yeah, definitely I, not a paladin. Yeah. I turned one of my characters into a paladin. I just don't remember. Holy who. shit. Okay. Well, yeah, uh Moses, maybe next week we can follow up on uh yeah, maybe I'll always do there. some pre-planning uh, yeah. before before that. Um, you know, I will also say I've got a keen eye on everything that's going on in Wisconsin right now. Oh yeah, there's some fuckery foot, but maybe maybe just maybe the reality of just how difficult it will be to pull off the fuckery will prevent them from doing it. We'll see. Political fuckery in Wisconsin? Are you? What serious? a shock! I yeah. know, I yeah. know. Anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks. Yeah uh great well as always uh thanks for being here moses and thanks for joining us this week severin yeah thank you guys for having me on and uh thanks to everyone out there for listening to this week's episode of paul and moses play if you have a question a comment or a suggestion you can email us at paul and moses play at gmail.com <laughs> moses whispered something it's so quiet. He's cupping his hand, I swear. I'm assuming he's saying, please email us. I said oh. you're of the email, but yes. Oh, you're right. You're the, we have some months left. It's and true. I it could still be year of the email. He was trying to make us cast detect thoughts. Right. If someone so, yeah, could, as Paul was saying, the cantrip of message, don't even bother. Just send us an email. It's almost easier than a cantrip. I think an email is a level one spell. So, you know. These days, that's fucking sure. Um, But yeah, thanks uh, to everyone out there for listening. uh, And we will see you next week. And until then, never never stop stop playing. playing.